Pastor Xavier Rees says when it comes to the message of the gospel, Scripture leaves no room for error. There's an interesting scripture in Isaiah 64, 6, which says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. We need to remember that we had nothing in us that was acceptable before God. But haven't you kind of thought, I mean, I wasn't all that bad. Yeah, you were. Paul says not one good thing. No, not one. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, after having finished up 1 Peter, you're back to introduce 2 Peter as we move on. Yes, 2 Peter, though written by the same man, the focus is different. Peter's writing regarding heretics, false teaching in the church. Three little chapters, you can best divide them up and remember them by chapter 1 being the heritage of the believer, uh, chapter 2 being the heretic within the church, and then chapter 3, the hope of his second coming. And between the heritage of the believer as he's born again and the constant looking in hope for the coming of Christ, you're going to have a lot of heresies, a lot of false doctrine, particularly in the latter days as we see today. And so, uh, we are to be Bereans, Acts 17.11, to examine if those things are so. We are to uh, be watchmen as uh, pastors and leaders to call the sinner to repentance. But the watchman is really to those who are believers to be careful, lest they be drawn away with false error. And Paul goes to the extent that he names names of those who went back into the world, those who were teaching the resurrection had happened and made shipwreck of the faith. Those are believers. They're not non-believers. And so I hope that Second Peter opens your eyes, gives you a acute hearing, and a heart that is willing to obey God and not some systematic theology or denominational doctrine that really is more indoctrination than biblical teaching. So, drop us a line. Let us know if these teachings are blessing you. And keep us in prayer that we may be pleasing to the Lord. God bless you. Well, thanks, Pastor Xavier. And yes, we really do appreciate your feedback as vital input to the planning process of our radio ministry. So, won't you please jot us a quick email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or you can address your letters to Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating those at the close of the broadcast, but for now, it's time to get today's study underway, titled, The Uniqueness of Salvation. Peter, in his second epistle, is writing to the same individuals as he did in the first epistle. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partaker of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter is writing to remind these believers about things that they already knew. 
Interesting how often we sit under a teaching or go to church and we say, Oh, I already know that. You may have heard that, but I'm not sure if you know it. Certainly Peter thought that it was time for these individuals to hear some of these truths again. And certainly it wasn't just to hear himself. For remember, this is Peter's last will and testament. He's ready to die. Chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Knowing that surely I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus showed me. We need to pay heed to a man's last will and testament, to his last words. I'm sure there are some men, or have been some men, but you don't find many who, in their deathbed, they have purpose to just tell a bunch of lies. Uh, It's a serious time. And so we want to pay heed to what dying men say. And most important to dying men who know Christ. In this epistle, there are two reasons for which he wrote. In the first epistle, he wrote to the believers who were under persecution to exhort them that they could persevere and that God would be faithful to get them through. In the second epistle, in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, he gives us two reasons for writing this epistle. The first is in verse 17. He says, You therefore, beloved, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. The first reason that he is writing to is that they not be led away by air. False doctrine. Secondly, in verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The second one was to exhort them to grow in their spiritual life. Let me suggest to you that one will be the result of the other. If you're not growing in your spiritual life, you're a candidate for deception. Now, when you stop and think about the implications of Peter's statement, it is an awesome thing to think that you can come to God and know God, and then because of your own lack of steadfastness and laziness and complacency, that you can be led away by air. I don't know what other conclusion you can come to when you read this epistle. Certainly, if there is no danger of you being led away, the epistle is, is, is useless in being written. And so we need to pay heed. Now, as I said, Peter's ready to die. And so he wants to make out of all his life. Stop and think about it. Peter has walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Peter has been the leading man in the inception of the church as we read the book of Acts and later on he drops off. He has written two epistles. He has mentioned throughout the scriptures. And out of all of his life, here he comes to die. And what is the message that he has for the Christian? He boils it down to two points. Grow spiritually and make sure you're not deceived. You know, I can't think of any better advice if this was my last sermon. Grow spiritually and be careful that you don't become deceived. In these four verses, Peter gives to us three characteristics of salvation. Verses 1 through 4 center on the divine side of salvation. Verses 5 through 11 center on the human responsibility. Don't confuse one or the other, and don't leave out one without the other. 
There is a mysterious combination and participation of the two which I do not understand. Yet it is in the scriptures. And so, in verse 1, he says salvation is of common quality. This is the first characteristic of salvation that we have. Secondly, in verses 2 and 3, he says salvation has tremendous potential. And then in verse 4, he says salvation is a gift. Before we get into it, let's look at Peter. In the opening verse, he identifies himself. Peter is a spokesman. He is speaking by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Not of his own accord, not of his own impulse. We know this because in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he tells us there that men of old, the prophets who wrote and spoke, did not write or speak of their own impulse or origin. But in fact, we're carried along by the Spirit of God. Therefore, we can be sure that what we have before us are the inspired, the infallible words of God. And therefore, by virtue of that statement, and by the words of Jesus and Paul, who put both Old and New Testament on equal authority, we can be sure that what Peter is saying is inspired and not of his own free will. He identifies himself as Simon Peter. Simon was a Greek form of the Hebrew proper name Simeon that is used in the Septuagint. It's also found in Acts 15, 14. Simon. This is before his conversion. You remember Peter before he was converted? Impetuous. Presumptuous. Always moving. Saying the wrong things. Fearful. Before the day of Pentecost. But then he combines that he says... Peter, this is after coming to Christ. It means stone. Jesus gave his name. He said, your name should be called Cephas in John 1.42. In the confession of Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, he says, thy name is Petro, small stone. And upon this Petra, this gigantic stone, that I am the son of the living God, I will build my church. What a difference between Peter, before and after. Now you and I can identify. We can look at our lives before and we look at it afterwards. Hopefully you see a vast difference. Hopefully you can see different as light and darkness. Night and day. Left and right. And so Peter presents himself as before and after. Peter never forgot what he was. I think that's an important principle. I think when we as Christians forget what we were before Christ came to us, then we start being presumptions of what we are now. And I need to never forget who I was, where God brought me from. But he not only refers himself as before and after, but now he identifies himself as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. The word for servant is doulos. It's a bond servant. One of a willful choice. One who chooses by life and for life to choose and to serve Jesus Christ. You know the Old Testament custom of that slave who served for six years, the seventh year he would be released. If at that time he chose to serve his master for life, he would tell him so and he would grab the elders of the city, take that servant, take him to his house, put him at the doorpost of the, of the door, put his ear there and all on a hammer, make a hole in it. And when you saw a person with a pierced ear, it meant that he was a, a slave by choice for life. This is the identity that Peter gives to himself in which we are to identify as servants of Jesus Christ. Not because Christ compels me to do or to say or to be, but because I can do nothing but that. This is my desire. Because God has saved me 
and changed my life. An apostle once sent out, he was one of the twelve. There were other apostles, seventy. There were other apostles that were sent out by the apostles. But in a way, you and I have been sent out. Jesus says, go to all nations and preach the gospel. As the Father sent me, I send you. We are ambassadors for Christ. We carry the message of Christ. The message is not ours. The authority is not ours. Yet we're responsible to deliver it. And so we're ambassadors. We've been sent out. Now, in the middle of verse 1, Peter says, salvation is common, of common quality. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying is that every person's salvation is equal in standing before God. It's not inferior one against the other. It is interesting to me that Peter goes out of his way both in the first epistle as well as the second to condescend to men lest they would think of himself more highly than he ought to be thought of. Isn't that usually the danger? That we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, or others think more highly of us than they should. In the previous epistle, in chapter 5, verse 1, he calls himself an elder. He says, I am also a fellow elder like you. Peter didn't say, I'm the Pope. He didn't say, I'm one of the twelve. He didn't say, I'm the one that walked on water. He said, I am one like you. I think that's important, that as we minister to others, as we teach the Word of God, that we make perfectly clear that we are just like other men and women. No different. Of common quality. First, he gives us some reasons. Because it is by divine lot. The word, obtained indicates to receive by divine law. The very same word is used in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verse 9 where the priest would cast lots to see who would burn incense. In other words, I have a common salvation as, that is an equal standing with you, not inferior or yours to mine, because God chose me out of all the people in the world. That amazes me. As C.H. Pershing said, I'm just glad that he chose me before the foundation because he certainly wouldn't have chosen me after he knew me. He still would have chosen me, but that's good insight. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Stop and think about it, about our common salvation, that God chose you, if you're here this morning, if you're born again, He chose you and myself out of all the people in the world. Why did he do that? I don't know. Now many people have trouble questions about Judas Iscariot. And they say, well, why did God choose Judas Iscariot? Well, I have more biblical reasons for why he chose Judas Iscariot. The question that baffles me is, why did he choose me? I don't see anywhere in Scripture where I'm going to please him. Or where I'm going to serve his purposes. He only tells me he desires me to. You see, Paul says to the Ephesians in one, Ephesians 1, 4, he says that he predestined me before the foundations of the world. To think that God chose me before I was even born. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. To think that he chose me knowing all that I did the first 24 years of my life, all I was involved with, 
is beyond my understanding. And so salvation is of common quality, first of all, because it is by divine lot. God chose us. Secondly, because it is of the same kind. The words, like precious, is made up of two Greek words. The first one means equal, the second one, honor and price. It's only used one time here in the New Testament. Why is it of the same kind? Two reasons he gives us. First, it is based entirely on the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, you and I came to God on the very same standard. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, it is a common thing that happens that because we're men and women of flesh, we have a tendency always to compare and to exalt one another. Now, you have a house, you go to somebody else's house and say, well, our house is better. You both go out and, and you purchase some clothes and say, I got a better deal. But when it comes to salvation, we can't boast. It's of the same kind. It's of the same precious value. It's of equal value. Why? Because it is based, first of all, on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your salvation is no better or more valuable than mine, nor mine from yours. It is on the very same basis. It's interesting that the reference here to God and of Jesus our Lord doesn't have the article to separate the two, which means that God and Savior refer to the same person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now often people say, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus is God? This is just one of them. He's talking about Jesus and he's calling him God. And it is on the basis of his righteousness that our salvation is based. But he gives a second reason why it is of the same kind. That it is by faith. Saving faith. Not the faith that people say, well, you know, I have faith. What does your faith consist of? Is it a person or a thing or an essence or a power? Peter is talking about that faith, that trust that points to the righteousness and the person of Jesus Christ. It's saving faith. Ephesians 2 eight. We're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Romans chapter 10 says, How will they hear? How will they believe if a preacher is not sent? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Can we boast of that faith? No, God gives us that faith. He gives us the faith to believe. He draws us, He gives us the faith. And so even in the faith... We can't boast. Now it's interesting because there is a group of people in the church today who are always boasting about their great faith. If they only studied the scriptures, even when Jesus is speaking about active faith after salvation, He is not talking about the tremendous amount of faith. He says if you had the faith even the size of a mustard seed, you would do impossible things. So the emphasis is not really on the amount, but the quality. If you had just a grain of a mustard seed of the faith that God desires to do through you and me, we would have no problem. So they're putting the emphasis on the wrong part of the scriptures. Same faith, same kind. The kind that God gives to us to believe. 
Now, when we understand this, then we understand that our salvation is of common value. It's of common quality. We cannot boast one against another. I think of the Pharisees who are a classic example of this. They considered themselves above others. They considered themselves above the average person because they weren't taught in the Hebrew theological schools. They looked to the disciples and they said, they are unlearned men. They looked to the Gentiles and they said, they're dogs. And they believed that God created the Gentiles simply to kindle the fires of hell. And they didn't even think they had a soul. Exalting themselves. And yet, that potential is there for you and myself. In view of God's goodness to us, we need to be thankful for Him choosing us. I mean, when you stop and think that God chose you and chose me, about the only thing that really is legitimate is an expression of thanksgiving. Ah, it's so precious. We need to be careful lest we exalt ourselves above others, implying some superiority or nearness to God from others. Let's be honest with ourselves. Once in a while, somebody will come by and we look at them because of what they say, what they do, or what has happened, or someone will say, well, I mean, you know, God saved me and saved you, but I mean, you were really down at the bottom. I mean, our flesh is so corrupt. You see, he's already told us in the first epistle, chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God fights against the proud, and he's talking to Christians, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, we're not exempt from pride. We do compare ourselves among ourselves. And when we understand and continue to remind ourselves that we all stand on an equal level, what a tremendous work God can do in the people of God. We need to remember that we had nothing in us that was acceptable before God. You stop and think about it. I mean, I know we know it. (laughs) I know we hear it. But... Haven't you kind of thought and you said, there must have been something. I mean, I wasn't all that bad. Yeah, you were. Paul says, not one good thing. No, not one. Whether it be to thing or to person. There's an interesting scripture in Isaiah 64, 6, which says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. I have only found one Bible translation that translates that Accurately and literally. Hang on to your seats. It's the Jehovah Witness Bible. (laughs) It's this. My righteousness is as filthy as a menstrual garment. Now that's how bad your good is. Think about it. When I realized that I had absolutely nothing worthy to merit God's love and salvation then it keeps me humble and so grateful that all I can do is make myself available to God. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing our time to a close today with an important reminder of our need for a Savior, Jesus Christ, the only one able to cleanse us from our sin. 
Uh, we've been listening to the first message of a series just begun in Second Peter, titled "The Uniqueness of Salvation." And if you'd like to receive a copy for your own in-depth personal study, we can provide that for you on CD for just four dollars to help cover the costs. Now that title once again is "The Uniqueness of Salvation." Request yours by writing "Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California." Nine one one zero seven, or to make your request by phone, call eight hundred nine two six fourteen eighty five. Again, that's eight hundred nine two six one four eight five. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, twenty two hundred East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California nine one one zero seven. Now, for those wishing to place an email for Pastor Xavier, you can address it to Simple Truths at ccpas dot com. For any message regarding our broadcast that you'd like to leave, that's simple truths at ccpas dot com. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station. However, you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. If the red carpet is where you think the privileged few are found, think again. Pastor Xavier Reese says God's chosen are promised streets of gold. Join us there on the next simple truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.